they had they had the, they had the handwritten letters. I don't even know if they still do that anymore. I know we didn't do it as much when I was coaching in college, but I think it was a lot more personable. That I wanted to be able to create my own narrative. I wanted to be able to walk my own path, build something that had never been done, and write my own story. So that was a big part in why I chose UTSA. Because when I went there, like God rest my coach's soul, she made me believe. I say that so many times, you can either get the exposure or you can be exposed. First, it takes a really, really long time to be really, really good at basketball. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, it takes a long time. Even my NBA guys now, like, they're still working on getting better. And these, these are some of the best. think it's happening in two months. Man. They think it's going to happen. Hey, you start in March, and they think it's happening in April. These are some of the best people in the world. Did you know that I have two books? One called The Little Girl Big Dreams. It's about an ambitious little girl who overcomes every no to say yes to a dream. The other is called Changing Lanes. It's about, it teaches you about the things that you learn from sport and how it translates to life about the sport. Be sure to check these out at itsjustdifferentpod.com. Let's get to the episode. Welcome to the It's Just Different Podcast. Today, we have on Amber Gregg. Amber is from Austin, Texas, played basketball at UTSA. She was a part of two conference championships and two NCAA tournament appearances. She is currently leading all-time three-point field goals made and honored as a three-time all-conference selection. Amber has coached from the grassroots up to the collegiate level. She was assistant coach at University of Louisiana for six years and now has transitioned to opening up her own facility, 94 feet, while starting her grassroots boys program, Team 94. In just over two years of being open and one year at the program, she has helped over 10 kids gain scholarships. Amber has worked with numerous youth and youth programs, ranging from high school to professional players all over the country, including players at John Lucas Top 160, Nike EYBL programs, and at some of the top camps in the country. Amber, what amazing, up? What up? amazing bio, what up? dope individual. I'm so <laughs> excited to have you on. Oh, I love, I love, love being a part. So the name of this podcast is called It's Just Different. Um, I like to start every guest off with asking, what do you think is different in youth basketball <clears throat> now from back then? Ooh, the people that are in charge and around it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> when I was coming up, it was literally what people call it, grassroots. So a lot more competitive. Um, you had to fight a little harder to get your name out there because they didn't have all these rankings and all that. Um so I think it's different in that aspect. The game is the same, but the people around it are different. I love it. <clears throat> 94 feet. So you are now in the training realm, player development. How did that come about? Oh, I've been doing it for a long time. So even before I coached college basketball, I was training. Um, I just had the opportunity to coach college basketball a year or so after I got out of college. So um, transition to that and then, as I got into college basketball, you know, I, I missed the grassroots portion of development. So I, I feel like that was my calling um, to get back, to come back. So I, I've always had a passion for it. Now it's just my full-time job. Yeah. Now, I feel like I'm always, because obviously I'm in grassroots, um, and mm -hmm. every year I get the opportunity or I guess you can say just an offer of coaching at at the collegiate level. I feel like I mm -hmm. turn it down every single time <laughs> because I don't know, it's something about like being in the AAU. What made you, you just said that 
you miss grassroots? Like, how hard was it for you to leave the collegiate level? Uh, it wasn't hard at all, actually. <laughs> it wasn't hard to leave the collegiate level because I missed the grassroots part so much. I think when you coach at the collegiate level, you have a lot of restrictions, a lot of rules, a lot of um, things and limitations to what you can and can't do to help kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and my dad's been in it for a long time, so I'm used to having kids at the house, helping kids, providing right. for kids, having kids in your family. Um, so I miss that portion of it. Like I said, the, uh, when in the grassroots, you, you don't have a it. You don't have any limitations to it, so you can help kids as much as as much as you want. And I'm gonna be honest, like for me, that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate satisfaction for me is to give back to the game that gave me so much. Yeah. So you you out of the college game now. So I think you can kind of give us a little bit, you know, a little bit more. Do you care to elaborate? Of like you talked about, like there are certain limitations, certain different certain things. Like what does that look like? Well, you just, you can't help kids as much. Uh, now in the age of NIL and stuff, it's, it's better. But like in grassroots, you know, you, you're dealing with a lot of kids from different communities, uh, different circumstances, different backgrounds, and you have the ability to help them as much as you can. College, like I said, you can't do that. You can't buy them food, it's illegal. You can't, they need shoes. You can't buy them shoes, it's illegal. Um, in, in grassroots, you can help the families, you can help the parents. Um, but it's just like the helping portion and the giving back portion, your hands are kind of tied at the collegiate level on what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. Grassroots, there's no limitations. In college, there's a lot of limitations. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to I wanna kind of mm -hmm. take it back just a little bit. We kind of hopped right into it. Um, played at UTSA from Austin. What high school did you go to? McNeil. McNeil okay. High School. I got some kids yep. uh, currently that's in the program that go to McNeil. Yeah, so yeah, cool. McNeil High School. What was recruitment like with you um, from high school? Why did you choose UTSA? What did that look like for you? Oh, um, recruitment was good. I'm going to be honest. Like, I got my first letter uh, my freshman year of high school at Pflugerville League. Like, my dad bought it to me. <laughs> uh, now, was that, letter, was that letter a handwritten letter? Was that letter a... Yeah. You, know, you know, you get them mass emails. There's a difference. I mean, you get them yeah, mass there's, a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. That was a handwritten letter from University of Miami. Dope. So uh, my my process was pretty easy because my AAU team was so good. Like, we played with each other from ninth grade all the way until we were done. Um, so that obviously played a huge uh, portion of my recruitment because that's where coaches saw me is AAU, summer ball, uh, playing in live events and tournaments. Um, so I was recruited from all a lot of schools from around the country. Like, my dream school for a long time was Texas. Um, Hook them horns, baby! Uh, yeah, yeah, I knew you'd love that. Um, just because it was home, you know, it was home. But, like, um, as I started going through the process, the things that I wanted, the things that I didn't want, I got to kind of write down and evaluate. And so I got to pick a final five. Um, and, and go through that process too, which is completely different than the recruitment process. But uh, mine was pretty easy. Like I had relationships with most of the coaches that recruited me. Um, and like I said, it was a lot different than what it is now. Yeah. You know, they they couldn't call you as much. They mm. <laughs> they had they had the, they had the handwritten letters. I don't even know if they still do that anymore. 
I know we didn't do it as much when I was coaching in college, but um, I think it was a lot more personable yeah. than, than social media now. So Yeah. You said you got was your first fairly- letter. You said you got your first letter your freshman year. When did you get your first offer? Ooh, my sophomore year. My sophomore year. My first offer came from Kansas State. Okay. Kansas State was my first, my first offer. Uh, and they recruited me throughout my whole process of going through college. So I probably had the longest relationship with them. Um, and then everybody else came on as that happened. But you know how it goes. Like, once people pull the trigger the first time. The rest they, coming. They, yeah, they start coming. They start coming. So especially coming from a Big 12 school, like, that was kind of like, whoa, undersized guard. Yeah. From Central Texas, like. This kid, like, if they if they want to do it, then everybody else, you know, For fall sure. in line. So, and what did you enjoy? What made you choose UTSA? Ooh, so I went on my visit to Kansas State. First of all, too cold. Like I was not going up there to Manhattan, Kansas, <laughs> in the cold. I'm a, I'm a city kid from Austin, Texas. We all really have have that. Um, and then like, I realized going on my visit there that I wanted to be able to create my own narrative. I wanted to be able to walk my own path, um, build something that had never been done, and write my own story. So that was a big part in why I chose UTSA, because when I went there, like, God rest my coach's soul, she um, she made me believe that not only was she going to push me further basketball-wise, but as a person, academically. Um, and so I, I just fell in love with that part. I'm not the person that's amazed with the oohs and ahs and the facilities and all that. I, I like to work, you know, yeah. and I like to be able to say I've done something that nobody else has done. So I was able to do that at UTSA. That makes sense. You talked about create your own story. So are you a fan of, of what's kind of going on now with the transfer portal? So many people are transferring and almost really building super teams. Oh, yeah. that's I, I like it. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I think it evens out the playing field. Um, for some kids that may have been over-recruited, some kids yeah. that may have been under-recruited, um, and it gives people second chances. It hurts co- high school basketball. In you know, what it way? hurts those kids. Um, just because, like, coaches tend to recruit experience. You know, if I can get somebody with experience of what I need, and, you know, you got you to gotta also look at the perspective, like, coaches are on a timeline, and if they're not winning, they want to do the – the next best thing that's close to them winning. So they're going to go get kids that they know can produce right away as opposed to something that they have to build if they don't have time. Mm-hmm. So I think in that way it hurts the co- the high school kids because, like, some coaches don't want to take chances, you know. They need to win right away. But at the same time, the college kids who haven't had the best experience, it gives them a second chance for maybe coaches that promised them things that didn't come true or – they just had a bad experience at their first stop, you know. Then they maybe made a bad decision the first time and first go around. So I think it evens out the playing field for a lot of people, but it also holds those high school kids accountable to, like, if this is what you say you want, then the work has to follow suit. Like, your actions have to follow suit as opposed to you just saying that you want that because you got people with experience still fighting to be in that arena. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to be – you don't have the experience. So what are you going to do to beat out those people? Because I'm going to be honest, as an assistant, I'm going to get kids that are good kids, but I know have the experience that can help me right away. Win right away. I, I, That's yeah, the name I of the can, game, I can, right I, away. 
I can't afford to take chances all the time on high school kids that may come and that ain't what they want or they pick the wrong school or they, you know, I, 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 I can't afford as a coach to take those chances. So I think like it, it gave a lot more severity to the recruiting process for high school kids because you can't play no more. Like you can't, you can think you can play that social media game and, and wait and see and, oh, I like this offer and I want this offer. You don't have time to do that anymore. You have to be very, very intentional about your recruitment. I like I like the transfer portal, right? But I think I think it has to be regulated just a little bit. Like you only get mm-hmm. so many. Like you, I personally think that freshmen should not be able to transfer because I think that it's gonna for a majority of the freshmen it's going to be a change. You're not gonna be the best mm-hmm. player. You're not gonna be the one mm-hmm. getting all the shots. Like it's gonna be an adjustment, and I think a lot of freshmen leave because, oh, I'm not playing. Oh, coach mm-hmm. promised me this. We're like, no, you're just mm-hmm. going through an adjustment right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that freshmen should hold off. They shouldn't be able to. But see, but see, with that, I think we have to do a better job at the development mm-hmm. process, during the development process to get them to understand that. I know, I know kids, you know, it's human nature to want to, you know, they've been the best their whole life. Right. So to transition into something that, well, maybe it's a little more challenging. That means they – I'm not going to say that they haven't been challenged, but they haven't been challenged like that. And so I think right. we have to really be honest with these kids about the process of going into college. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be very hard, and you're going to have to compete with people that don't want to give up their spot. So, again, what are you willing to do to do that? You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to still go to the gym. You're, you're still going to have to – Learn the plays. You're going to have to learn how to fit in. You're going to have to learn your role because there's people that already do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think from the developmental part and the grassroots part, we have to be more intentional about continuing to be honest with these kids about what it's like, especially when we have the experience. Like you play college basketball at a high level. I play college basketball at a mid-major but high level. But we know what it's like. Like yeah. I, I've been the freshman, that, you know, struggling – trying to figure out my role, sitting on the bench for some games, like, damn, what do I got to do yeah. to at least get a chance? Like, you starting to look at other people like, no, nah, well, she messing up, but she, you know. But if we're being honest, like, you got to go prove yourself again. It's like you starting over with a clean slate. They're recruiting you because they think you have the potential to fit in and you have the intangibles that they, they need. But you still got to go prove yourself. Like, you still got to go do what you you're there to do, you know. Yep. And the moment that you stop working as a freshman is over with. You're yep. done. I also think us directors need to, you talked about being honest. Like, we need to stop sending kids to schools that they don't belong. Like, just to feed our own ego. Like, you want to be able to say, oh, I sent this kid here. Who cares if the kid is in a transfer portal the next year or <laughs> hell, the next semester? Like, oh, what? Oh, what? But I like, think it's too many people like, like now, like from when we was playing, we knew the people that was involved was really for us. You know what I'm saying? And in it for the right reasons. Now, everybody wants to be told good job. Everybody wants to be told they right. Everybody wants to be told, oh, you did this, you did that. And it's like, at what point is it still about the kids? Like, I think we've kind of taken that part away from, from the game because, and I'm not saying everybody, but I think, like, again, we we as directors and people who have experienced it have to do a better job of fit. 
right? You're five, five and you're trying to go play power five. And I'm not saying you can't do it, but your road is going to be a little tougher when you can go to go mid-major and be probably a star, mm -hmm. like doing what you have to do. So I think we, too, have to do a better job of setting these kids up to succeed and not to fail. Like, And the truth is hard. People going to make their own decisions. They're going to decide what they want. But at the end of the day, we we can say, I told you so. You know, like if we're, if we're giving them the information up front, especially the parents, like you wouldn't believe how many parents we have here, like in Louisiana, that they kids don't even don't even be registered for clearinghouse till they senior year of high school. And it's like, if if you behind that much, I know you don't know what recruiting is like. Like, I know you don't know. You're just going after the name that you think is the highest bidder or the best, the one that sounds the best, you know? Yeah. So... We just have to be intentional, more intentional on the grassroots part of preparing these kids and keeping them in the right mind frame when it goes to picking a school, choosing a school, like, and just weighing out your options the right way. I see too many kids sitting on the bench, like, sitting on the bench. Yeah, you had a power five, but you're sitting on the bench. Sitting on the bench. Yeah, right. this is on the bench. Oh, what? You just said you just said something clearinghouse for the parents who are listening and don't know what the clearinghouse is. Maybe they got younger kids. Coming up, what is the well? The clearinghouse is a is a eligibility center um, that gives kids the eligibility and walks them through the steps on what it takes to be eligible to play at the next level. Um, you should register as a freshman, right? Just to start the process. Not saying that every kid is going to play Division One basketball, but it's good for D one, two, D three, D four. I mean, NAIA, JUCO. Like you have to be registered for it. So. Um, it's very, very informative. Like, if you don't know, NCAA.com, NCAA Eligibility Center. Um, and the rules are constantly changing, right? You don't have to – like, your ACT scores and SAT scores don't matter anymore. Um, but I don't think a lot of people know that. Like, no, I don't think don't. a lot of people know the classes that they have to take. I don't even think a lot of people know that most states aren't eligible for NIL opportunities in the high school realm. Like, I just think they see NIL, 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 and like, no, not every state it's is like, eligible. how can I get a bag? Where my bag? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, like your state's not even eligible to do that in the high school. In high school, so um, it's just like, and and I tell, I just had when I had my camp last weekend, I told the parents that too. Like, you, it's it's on you to learn. Like, you have to be intentional about going when you know that the information is out there. You have to be intentional about going to um, educate yourself on the things that you need to be educated on and doing your part. Like your kids are playing, that's their part. But to educate yourself on the rules, the eligibility, the classes that they need to take so you can be in touch with their counselors, like their ACT, SAT, because they still have to take it. But at the same time, like the information is there. You just have to be intentional about going to seek it and educate yourself. Yep. No, I definitely agree with that. I, and I think that parents have to do a better job of just staying involved. Like, <laughs> one of the things that I have seen just from, you know, being in the realm, being a director, is the parents think that the director is supposed to do everything. Everything. Yep. <laughs> like, literally everything. And it just it just doesn't work that way. You know, it's, it's just not possible. No, no, no. We have a role to play. We play our role in, in getting them exposure, developing them um, as players, as people, as much as we can. But we can't undo 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years of who they are and what they know. Like, 
the only thing that we can do is feed the foundation of who they are and what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. And the more that you feed the foundation, the further that they stray away, they always have to come back to that. So if we can feed the foundation and inform them, like we've done our part, we're developing them, we're getting them an exposure, but at some point you have to take up accountability because they're not our children. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're your children. Uh, we can't make the decisions for them. We can educate, we can inform, but like we give them things that they can never give us back. Our time, our energy, our love, our effort. Like, and they don't have to, they don't, they don't have to give us anything back except playing hard, doing what you're supposed to do. Like, we're gonna give you everything else, intangible things that you can't give us back. Like, you don't ever have to give me anything back. Nothing. All you have to do is go play hard, be committed, hold yourself accountable, and then just be exposed to things that you may not have been. But like I tell my kids that all the time, like there's nothing that you can ever give me back. Yep. Nothing. There's there's nothing you can do besides letting me see you be successful. Be successful. That's what I want. That's it. Yeah, that's what I want. Whatever that looks like, whether it's a, a great mother, a great father, a great husband, a great wife, whatever it is, like be the best at anything that you do. I don't care about basketball. Basketball is a, a small portion of your life. Like you're going to play it for 20 years and then you're going to be done. Then you have the rest of your life to live and be the best person that you can be. But if you do it right, basketball can set you up for a long time to be successful and give you a head start at life. Yeah. If you sure. do it right. You 100%. know? Yes, we have words of basketball. Be sure to check out the site at itsjustdifferentpod.com to see something you might like. All right, back to the episode. You said the buzzword of AAU basketball, exposure. Mm. <laughs> you know, or exposed. That. Or I say that so many times you can either get the exposure or you can be exposed. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that because exposure is a buzzword, like everybody here exposure, you need the exposure, you're not getting enough exposure, whatever the case may be. Like, honestly, it's confusing parents, you know. Talk to us about that, like, when should kids start getting the exposure? When should they start looking for coaches on the sideline? What does that look like? Are coaches looking at sixth and seventh graders? No. No coach in America is going to recruit a sixth grader and call Ashley and say, or call me and say, Amber, I want them right now. Like, they still have six years left to play. There's so much that can happen. So I think, like, Sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like you got to use that as development. Like those are developmental years of taking the pressure off them kids and just letting them grow. Like I think it can be too serious at that age um, for the kids. But at the same time, there's a way to educate people to let them know the severity of when they do get on the stage. Like as far as exposure, you can expose them when they're ready. Like I don't, I don't think there's a – a right time that you got to do it or you got to do it right now. Like if they're not ready, they're just not ready. And that's, that's just what it is. I mean, you can't force them to be put in, put in front of coaches and it can potentially ruin recruitment because you want them out there so bad. Like I got to stop you right there. What does not ready mean? Because everybody in America think they kid is ready. Every kid (laughs) think they're ready. So what does not ready mean? I mean, if you, I'm going to be honest, if you can't shoot the ball, if you can't dribble with your left hand, if you can't make layups, 
Like, what are we doing? And mm -hmm. the, the, the biggest thing is, if you can't play hard and defend, don't even waste your time. Like, I, I see I see so many kids, like, talented, talented, super talented, but don't have the work ethic, don't compete on the stage, don't have the drive, don't have the accountability. So it's like, like a lot of intangible things that matter that you don't have to be the best player all the time, right? But you have to have things that, that make people say, ooh, that kid could be good, or I like that kid because they do X, Y, and Z. I know kids that got scholarship offers just because they rebounded. I know kids that got scholarship offers just because they took charges. Wow. I know kids that got scholarship offers just because they were good teammates. I know NBA players that make a lot of money just because they're good teammates and wave a white towel. Mm -hmm. So it's not about scoring the most points. It's not about taking the most shots. Like the best players in the country are the best players in the country. And that's just what it is. They're going to be that. They're always going to be that. There's nothing we can do about that. If you are blessed to be one of those people, kudos and keep going and keep growing. But if you're not nine times out of 10, you have to do other things that get people to say, ooh, like, I'm going to sit and watch this kid because they sprint in the floor every time. Like, whether or not they get a rebound, they're the first ones down the floor. They're rebounding out of their area. They're diving on the floor for loose balls. Like, this weekend in, in Orlando, I had a fourth grader go, right, fourth grader. She was the youngest one at the camp, right, skilled in her grade, probably top 25 in the country in her grade. Easy, easy. But she was challenged this weekend because she was playing against fifth through eighth graders, right? So what did she have to do? She had to play hard. She made the all-star game with fifth through eighth graders in a nationally ranked showcase, right? USA Basketball, McDonald's. I mean, the top of the top. She made the all-star game just because she played hard. She played hard and she wasn't scared of anybody. What's her so name? Shout my girl out on the podcast. Oh, Harmony Spragans. Harmony Spragans. Harmony, Harmony Spragans from Lafayette, Louisiana. Let's go. Hey, the future. The future. Shout out to you, future. Harmony. But, but she, like, she competed. And so for people, like, her size wasn't there. Like, her skill wasn't there. She turned the ball over. But at the end of the day, like, she did things that people who are the powers that may be are like, Oh yeah, that kid can play. Like she's not scared, she can defend, she plays hard, she hustles. So those are things, even for me, like I would offer a kid if they took charges. Yeah. I, I just just off off the dump. Like I'm offering a kid like that. I am, because that takes extra effort. And I know when I get you on a college campus, when your parents ain't around, and when your friends ain't around, when you by yourself, like if you're sacrificing things like that, <clears throat> we're gonna win. We're gonna win. Hey. So if, if number one, if you don't have the intangibles to compete, you're not ready for exposure. If a coach has to tell you to go hard, if a coach has to tell you to get into the gym, you're not ready for exposure. Like, that's not, that's not what you're ready for. Because you're going to get exposed. Those habits are going to get exposed for what you do and what you don't do. Two, if you're not fundamentally sound and you don't play hard, you're definitely not ready for exposure. Like, save your money. Don't, don't even... Don't even go. Don't even go. Don't even put your AAU coaches in that predicament to not play you. Because at the end of the day, we're, we want to win too. 
Like, we don't want to go to these tournaments and get blown out or get beat or not be able to compete. Like, that's the point of what we do is to man, give you the chance to, it. man, it's, it's to give you the chance to be exposed. But if you're not doing your part, then our hands are tied. So when parents come and say, well, why isn't my baby getting recruited at the Division One level? Well, your kid has only been in the gym one time during the month. They don't play hard. They don't defend. They don't compete. So, what? I mean, what do you expect? And I think, like, we got to have them conversation with them parents, too. Like, parents, y'all got to be realistic. You know your kids better than we do. You know what your kids are good at and what they're not good at. You know if your kids are in the gym and if they're not in the gym. But, again, going back with the transfer portal, your kid better be in the gym. Yeah. But, you know, Amber, well, you know the thing that I realize, like, you would think that the parents know. But they may know their kids. They don't. But they, they don't know, like, the basketball piece. Like, they don't understand that, like, it's more to it. And it's even harder now to get recruited. Like, they think, oh, we're going to this tournament. My kid is going to get a look. Or they think, I'm going to post on Twitter, this coach is going to come. They think the game time is the time to work on stuff. I can't tell you how many times I hear that they don't get a chance in the game. They don't get the opportunity in the game. But my response to that is, why should they? Yeah. Like, why why, why should they? Because it's the same thing. I'm preparing them for if they're lucky enough to go play at the next level. Mm -hmm. Like, if. That's a 2% chance. So, for any coach to offer anybody, right, there's 351 Division I universities in the country. Every team doesn't need 15 kids every year. Yep. Some teams need one kid, some teams need two kids, some teams need five kids. So <clears throat> to me, like for parents to understand, it's not always about like your kid just playing at the next level. There's gotta be a need for your kid. Yep. So why should they? Why should they get the opportunity? Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's our job to give them exposure, but it's our job also to put them in the best situation to to gain that. If, if coaches are sitting and watching, like, I'm not going to expose them that they can't guard. Like, I, I'm not I'm not going to do that. Sometimes Me personally, the bench so, is the best place to be. So, hey, I'm going to save them. I'm going to save them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to save them until we get to a place to where, okay, we can take that chance and they're gotten better at this or their habits have improved at this. Like, I can't put them out there like that. If you want me to put them out there and they see, see little Susie missing 15 left-hand layups and turning the ball over – and getting blown by, then okay, cool. But don't ask me why they're not getting recruited when that happens. Because it's not about scoring the basketball. Again, the best players in the country are the best players in the country. Nine times out of ten, your kid is is not one of those. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have been recruited 10th grade, 9th grade. Those kids have been recruited for a long time. A long time. So why should your kid get the opportunity for a Don Staley to call, uh, uh, a Vic Schaefer to call? Why, why should they? Why? Why? Especially if they're not in the gym. Like, and that's my thing. Like, I have a kid right now, one of my boys. Ash, when I tell you, this kid is texting me every day. Coach Amber, when we in the gym? Coach Amber, when we in the gym? Coach Amber, when we every, every, He does not miss a day. And when I tell you he'll be one of the top kids in the state, like, he works. And I don't mind giving him the opportunities because I know what comes with his work. He's going to compete. 
His work is going to back it up. He can shoot the ball. He's vocal. He's like, I don't mind that. I can, I can vouch for that. But parents, you think I'm going to put my name on the line for somebody that, that doesn't work hard, that's not in the gym, that wants all these exposure opportunities? No, I'm not going to do that. Because I've worked too hard to get my name to be too reputable now. Like you. Like you played at the Power 5 level. You have relationships with people. But why would you put your name on the line for somebody that you know is not giving you what you're giving them? Yeah. And that's opportunities and a name to be in a room. That's facts. That's facts. This is good. I want to make sure I'm giving. <laughs> I want to make sure, like, we are giving parents all the game, everything. I mm -hmm. kind of want to go back to, like, the recruitment piece because, I, honestly, I think that's the biggest That's the biggest thing in AAU basketball right now, just understanding it, understanding what coaches are looking for. You was at Louisiana for six years. When you went to these tournaments, like, I got a lot of questions in one, actually. But, like, what one, what were you looking for in these players? Two, what was the process before you even got to the tournament? Like, did you have a board? Did you have a list? Like, Ooh. talk talk about all of that. Oh, for sure. Um, your database is kind of already built um, from – when they in eighth grade, ninth grade, especially within your state and community. Like people within your state and community, which you have reached for, you're constantly going to hear about those kids. I'll use Austin, for example. Like Vic probably knows the best eighth graders in the city. Mm -hmm. I mean, seventh graders, sixth graders. He, he's done his work, you know. He Can he recruit those kids right now? No, probably not. But he's not naive to the fact that there are good kids in the city of Austin that are younger than the ones that he's recruiting. Right. So a lot of times your work is done before that, you know, who you're going to watch. Right. Sometimes in April, like we use those events to go look and see what we can find uh, new kids in the system that we didn't know about that are in proximity to what we want to recruit in um, or that we feel like we have a chance at getting. But you're never going into those tournaments blind, like where you don't know any kids that you're trying to go look at, like. Um, for me personally, I would, I would have a list of kids. I would go try to catch a game of each kid. If I had multiple kids playing at one time, I would try to catch one half and then try to catch another half. Um, but I'm giving every kid on my list a look. I'm looking for development. Like, have those kids gotten better? Are they saying the same? Can I tell that they're working? Um, that's the second piece. The first piece would be, are they competing? Like, because if you're not competing, I'm not wasting – $200,000 on getting you to come to me for it to be a waste of both of our time. Like I have a job to do when you get to college, you have a job to do. So I got to make sure that you're serious about the opportunity that I'm going to present you, not just based off your talent. Like even, even at UL, I got the job because I was just a good teammate. I was, I was vocal. I was a leader. I never had a relationship with my boss, but he just remembered me as a player. And then that I did things the right way. Like my dad's been around off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my dad's been around for a long time, so he remembered my dad. Like it's just relationships. And so I tell people all the time, like sixty nine ninety nine can change your life. Sixty nine ninety nine can change your life. That's how much a ball costs. So where people look at it as, as as monetary value, like it's intrinsic value to me because it means more and it's brought me so many opportunities just because I did things the right way. So my mom always taught me, like you never know who's watching. So it's been kids that, that I just came across and I'm like, damn, that kid competes. Like, damn, that kid could be good. 
I'm not always looking at the kids on my paper. Mm-hmm. Like it be it be sometimes I go to a game with the kids on my paper and I'm looking at kids on the other team, just because they're playing the right way or or they're working hard or they took charge or they're good teammates or they're leaders or like those intangible things that are really really hard to find. I can find somebody that can play. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those kids, but to find somebody that can lead, to find somebody that's vocal, to find somebody that's a good teammate that can pass, that can rebound, like that's hard. That's hard. So uh, the process is done before you get there. But once you get there, um, it's twofold. You got some kids that you're going to see. And then I always love the, the silent kids, like the ones that people never know about, uh, that play on the grassroots team. Like you're an independent team. So I love like people who have yeah. been around for a long time. Like they're not just around for a long time. Right. I ain't gonna lie. I'll be hitting them phones up. I'm texting all the oh, coaches. Yeah. This our schedule. This what time we yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, of yeah. them. And 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 that's I'm gonna be honest, that's the work that parents don't see. Mm-hmm. Right? Parents don't see that. Some coaches just can't make it to the game. Right. That doesn't mean that you didn't do your job in providing the opportunity or sending them the schedule for what you got. Or you 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 reaching out to them saying, hey, I got this kid that I think you might like. That doesn't mean that you haven't done your job, right? Again, there's a lot that plays into recruiting somebody. I got to need that spot. Your kid could be good. I could be like, Ash, man, that kid can whoop. That kid can whoop. But if they're a guard and I need a five, my hands are tied. Like, I, I have a boss too. You know what I'm saying? And so I just may not have the need for that. But that doesn't mean that that kid is any less or that kid can't play. It just yeah. doesn't fit right now. Right. So I think parents got to understand that too. Like your kid has to fit in what, wherever they go. Like yep. some schools are the dream schools and they may not need that. And you never they, know they where they the coaches are going to go. I think that's the biggest right. thing. Like relationships are so important. I don't know if you remember this mm-hmm. was, I think this was last year. I text you. I was like, Hey Amber, mm-hmm. I need, list of these schools like i ain't got the contacts you literally right. gave me i think it was like 10 schools yeah. you gave me those <laughs> you gave me those contacts i text every last one of them it didn't work out for any of my 23s or yeah 23s mm-hmm. one of them coaches is at a new school offered one of mm-hmm. my 25s like mm-hmm. and that was just off of i didn't even know the coach that was just off of right, right. From, relationships right yep. Like, right. and I think that that's, that's important. Like relationships are very, very important in, in the AAU industry. That's, that's free game though, right there. Like relationships are important in anything. Business, Facts. AAU, like that's, what's going to drive you forward. That allowing mm-hmm. to, I mean, having people that, that can scale with you, that you can learn mm-hmm. from, grow from, that you could call on if you need something like that matters. That matters a lot, especially in the, in the term of like your success. So, I think I think like like I said I, I don't think parents really understand the hours that are put into getting even getting these coaches to come to the games because yeah. it's like I can I can hype your kid up and I can tell them that this is what they need and this is what they provide but if they get to the game and they lay an egg like oh my god that's what I was literally about to say like what you want me to do that is the what do worst. you want me to do Amber, what you that's want me the to worst. do? I don't talk to this, this coach time and time. I'm saying, look, this I is know. what you can do. I'm sending film. They finally get to the game, and you don't produce. You don't show up. But most times, it's the coach's fault. And it's like, 
right. Mm-hmm. It's always the coach's fault, though. It's always the coach's fault. Like, it's, it's, like, it. bro, like, always the coaches. I'm not the one that, that but that's lack of accountability. That's the lack of accountability. And it's like, how you gonna blame me for your <clears throat> one? Was your kid in the gym? Like, that's my first question to anything. Like, is your kid in the gym? Yeah. Because if they're not in the gym, we're not there's no conversation to have. Yeah. Now, if your kid is in the gym long hours every day, working hard, like, and they're still not getting the results, then let's have a conversation. Right. But if your kid is not in the gym, like, no, there's no conversation to have. Yeah. So we gotta we gotta talk about that right there. Like mm-hmm. you 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 are in the seat of player development, so in the training mm-hmm. business, um, and you coach you coach teams on the boys side. <clears throat> but <laughs> the one thing that I see a lot just with parents is just really understanding like what's the purpose of team of AAU, <laughs> what's the purpose of training. Like, I think I see a lot of parents of like, oh, my kid's not getting better or whatever the case may be, you know, thinking that a lot of the skills should be happening with the team or vice versa. So, like, with you being in both of those seats, like, talk about that. Um, first, it takes a really, really long time to be really, really good at basketball. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it takes a long time. Even my NBA guys now, like, they're still working on getting better. And these, Listen, are these parents the think it's happening in two months. Man, they think it's gonna happen. Hey, you start in March, and they think it's happening in April. These are some of the best people in the world, and like they're still getting better. And so, like, for you to think your kid is gonna be a star, like that, ah, it takes a really, really long time to be good at basketball. But my training philosophy is like, be be great at what you're good at and grow your game. So like if 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 you're not good at shooting, obviously we can grow that after you're really great at finishing around the basket. Mm-hmm. Like if that's your thing and you get a lot of rebounds, I'm going to put you in position to be successful right away. Right? We can improve other parts of your game, but we can't improve all around at one time. Like we got to go step by step by step by step by step. Um and then like AAU team aspect things are different than training, mm-hmm. right? When we're coaching, when we're coaching AAU, we're teaching a lot of things that put them in position to be successful. Um, and so it's really, really hard to skill in the realm of that. So I always encourage parents to outside of AAU practice, like they still have to get better. Outside of training, they still have to get in the gym and make shots. Like the skill development stuff is on me. The shooting things are on them. Those are two different things. The AAU stuff is on me. We can continue to get better as a team, but the skill stuff is on them. Like, I can tell you what you need to do to get better because you're around me all the time, but <clears throat> your willingness to take extra hours and take the extra mile to go do that is on you. Because with me, if you don't do that, you're not going to play. Like, that that's just what it is because – at the end of the day, I don't have time. Like, I, I don't have time. I can't want it more than you. I can't see it more than you. Your parents can't want it more than you. Cause So, as when, when when kids walk into my gym, the first thing that I ask them is, what is your goal? Because it has nothing to do with the parents. It has nothing to do with what they're saying. It has nothing to do with that. The child needs to tell me what they want. And from that, we can build and we can grow. But I can always hold them accountable to what they say they want. Nobody else told me that. You told me that. 
So whether it's making varsity, whether it's, it's scoring 10 points a game, whether it's going to Duke or Kentucky, like you're telling me you want these things. So I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure that you're prepared to get these things. Some things aren't realistic. Like, I mean, if you're in the 11th grade saying you want to go to Duke, like we're a little behind. <laughs> Just a little bit. That's, that's, yeah, that's not real realistic. But at the end of the day, like, you got to be able to put yourself in position too to get the things you say you want, right? It's got to align. The training's got to align with the level of play you want to see on AAU circuit. Like, if you're not in the gym and you expect to go play top comp, like, it's not going to work. It just doesn't work. One plus one is two. So be in a gym, play with the right team, get, get the right exposure. You'll probably have some sort of success. Whatever that success looks like, everybody's different. Like, everybody's path is different. One path is not greater than the other. The other path is not greater than the other one. But I think, like, that's another thing people have to understand is, like, parents, stop looking around at everybody else. Stop looking at what offer this kid got. And the kid that got the offer, stop telling everybody what you got. Like, just focus on your process. Focus on the things that are going to make you successful. Focus on making the right decision for you. Stop listening to the outside influences. Stop listening to the people that have never been through it. Like, focus on your process individually. And I think that that itself makes your AAU program better. Like, once you start to build those kids, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, like, it's just a revolving wheel. But everybody's got to be committed to the same thing and on the same page. And, like, it, it's okay if you're not. This is just not the right, the right program for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I, cool. You can do what you want to do. But at the same time, if you're playing in this program that you're demanding exposure from, then you got to do your part. And, and getting them prepared, letting them be trained, leaving them alone. Like, parents, leave your kids alone. Leave them alone. Let them go through their own development process. Like, stop nagging them on what they should do in the games, yelling at them, in practice, telling them, like, leave them alone and let coaches do what they do. Because yeah. sometimes it's just too much of this. Yep. I want to I wanna continue this this training conversation but you just said something that was just a trigger for me so I gotta bring <laughs> it up <laughs> offers I know that everything is is business right like everybody's in mm this -hmm. for you know business for the kids all the above what are your thoughts on these favor offers coaches pushing the offer for their program like do you think it's beneficial at the end like what, what's your thoughts on it are there more favorite like, offers being given than there should be? <laughs> Is favorite offers even a real the real name for it? <laughs> oh, what? Yes, it is a real name for it. But it's like, for me, like, if it's not in the best intention of the kid, don't do it. If the kid is not going to be set up for success, why are we even entertaining it? Like, I know a lot of kids that, you know, get offered because they know somebody or somebody knows somebody or somebody owes somebody a favor, like, and it doesn't end up working out. That's why the transfer portal is 2,562 people. Like, yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't work out. So I know it's a business, but I think sometimes we can get away from the kids are what make it the business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Without the kids, none of us are doing any of this. You know what I'm saying? So... I think anything that takes away from growing the game and 
intentionally setting these kids up for success the right way, we need to get rid of it. Yeah. And I think it's so hard for parents because, again, at the end of the day, the parents just don't know. You know, all they see is, oh, so-and-so program throughout this offer, this offer. Or they see, oh, this program got this many D1 offers and this program only got D2 offers or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's very hard for parents to, like, really decipher through, like, you know, obviously that's what they, oh, this this program got as many offers, this is where I need to go. You know, but they don't know the behind the scenes but, of, like, what these offers look like. and Yeah, and damn, but D2 offers are still good. Any offer school. to play college basketball. It's free school. Man. Any, I'll tell these any kids any play, day, D1, D2, D3. Like, oh, what? JUCO, NAIA, like, whatever it is, if you have a chance to play, like, go write your own story. For like sure. you're lucky to be able to do that. Like, and I know a lot of kids work hard, work really hard, but it's two percent chance that you get to play. So yeah. take it, take it for what it is. Like I said, and maybe that's just the best and right fit for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe coaches miss out, and that's okay. But at the same time, like write your own story. The goal is education. That's the goal. Yeah. Right. Free education. If I can get that anywhere, I'm taking anywhere, it. Anywhere, anywhere. And I I'm feel like, especially it. with the way it is now with the transfer portal, if a coach missed out on you, it's going to come back around. Or they're going to feel it. Like, they're going to feel it. You're going to play against them. Like, it's going to come back around. You got four mm-hmm. years. So, I got to you going to see him. You're going to play him. For sure. You're going to see him. You're going to play him. You might have the opportunity to go to him. You know, it's just the, the coaching arena is very small. Yep. Like, basketball community is very, very small. Very so, small. But yeah, mm-hmm. I want to I get back to this train. I got You said that offer, and that was just like a little, that was a trigger for me. But as <laughs> far as training, I think that that's also something that parents, you know, you have some parents that are invested, you know, but they don't even know how to pick a right trainer. Everybody and their mom is a trainer. Everybody getting some cones, getting a ball, charging $30 a session, and you training. So, like, what should parents be looking for when they're picking a trainer? One, like basketball is the only sport that you can do that. Like every other sport, you got to have credentials of, of what you're doing. Baseball, soccer, like whatever it is, you have to have some sort of resume as to why. Um, but as far as what parents are looking for, I say um, somebody that's going to be consistent um, and, t- and intentional about your kid's growth and process, right? Um Obviously, people with a background of basketball help, but everybody that has a background of basketball is not necessarily a good trainer. So I don't, I don't want to say that, you know, this, this person has got to play in WNBA, this person has got to play professional, like, because that doesn't make them a good trainer. Um, I think being intentional about the development piece um, of your child is very, very important. Having conversations about where they are, where they need to go, what make what's gonna make them successful? What they need to improve on are important conversations for parents um, and their trainers themselves. Um, people who have done it for a long time, like that that have been in the game for a long time and have proven results. That's the biggest thing. Like if you have trainers who have proven results with kids, like absolutely, obviously you gotta go with them, um, just because of their track record. Track record, but I just say do your homework, like. You know what's best for your kid. You know who to surround your kid with. You know if the results are there. Like, 
just be look out for your child. You know what I'm saying? Like, do your homework too. Don't just believe everything you hear. Don't just if you see a drill, don't just fall for that. Like, oh, I like that drill. They had two cones and tennis balls. Like, okay, cool. Like, that's fine. But what does the developmental piece look like? Like, why are they doing that? And don't be afraid to ask those questions. Facts. I love it. I love it. I love it. We we are coming to an end. We always end with our guests with rapid fire. <laughs> I love rapid fire. It's a shooting drill. I, you know, I'm a shooter, so I had to bring it to the podcast. <laughs> I got five questions. Uh, answer to, to your best ability. You ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Scoring guard or pass for or pass first guard? Ooh, pass first. Pass first. Okay. Biggest basketball pet peeve in AAU industry for you or youth basketball industry? Oh. I got a lot. Oh, uh, um, oh, I say, I say, coaches not putting them, their kids in the right positions. Okay. Favorite college or WNBA player? Maya Moore. Okay, Maya Moore. Can't shoot, but can play defense. Can't play defense, but can shoot. Can't play defense, but can shoot. Okay. Game winning three or game winning steal? Game winning three. Was you a shooter? Could you shoot? Oh, yeah. Play? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. I like those answers. At the very beginning, we I asked um, what is different in the youth industry. I want to end it with Amber. What would be different with Amber in three to five years? Oh, um, Scaling, obviously, 94 feet um, as a nationally recognized training facility um, and just continuing to grow my AAU program. We're actually on a shoe circuit this year, so that's exciting and fun on the boys' side, which is I'll be one of the few girls um, in the country to do that. So continuing to grow that and continue to grow the brand, impacting as many kids as we can uh, and developing and inspiring them to continue to play at the next level. I love it. Congrats on that. Tell the people where they can find you. you. Anything you want to leave with them before we wrap it up. Oh, yeah. 94 Feet B-Ball is the Instagram, website, everything. Um, Team 94, we're around too. Same thing. Um, I just say be committed to the process. The process isn't always pretty. The process is, is you struggle sometimes. It can get ugly sometimes. But whatever it is, wherever you are in your process, be committed to seeing it through as a parent, as a player, as a coach. Um, just be invested and committed. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys for tuning in, for listening, for watching. If you are watching, go ahead and leave some comments on your biggest takeaway. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and share this out. We'll be <laughs> on every single week, dropping new episodes, bringing on guests to talk to you about all things basketball recruitment, whatever it is that that we feel you need. That's it. We'll talk to y'all later. Peace.